Welcome, everyone, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Here on the show, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region. We grab their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have Michael Wood. Michael is the co-founder of Ottawa Special Events. He is also a part-time professor at Algonquin College in the Music Business Program. He's a former musician himself, a current voter for the Grammy and Juno Awards. And most recently, Michael has been a very strong uh, advocate for small business. So we're going to be getting his insights into business and small business. So you're going to want to tune into this. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have a tremendous guest with a very, very vast background. Uh, we have with us here today, we have Michael Wood, who is the co-founder of Ottawa Special Events. He is a small business advocate. He is a professor of music business, a former musician himself, and an official voter on the Grammy and Juno Awards. Uh, please join me in welcoming Michael Wood to the show. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Uh, Michael and I uh, connected a little bit through some social media over the past uh, over the past month or so. He's been a very strong advocate for for business and small business, especially during uh, the pandemic, which is something that definitely resonates uh, resonates with me. So I've invited him here on the show to tell a little bit more of his story. So maybe, Michael, we could start off with, with your background. Maybe give us, uh, bring us back to sort of your roots and, and where, where you were born and where you're from. Sure, man. So I actually uh, am born in Ottawa. I grew up in Ottawa. And, you know, from about 15 when I saw Welcome to the Jungle for the first time on much music i wanted to be a rock star and maybe not a rock star but at least playing this touring rock and roll band and you know it really had this influence on my life and you know that's what i did is from about 20 to 30 i toured in a rock and roll band all across canada the united states and i've been it was heavily involved in the music business actually uh, with a management company and then ended up writing a book on the business of music so <laughs> You know, music was always my thing, and it still is. It's still that motivational drive. I go out for a lot of walks at night to try and figure out just what direction life is going in, and and I always have tunes planned, and it always I always try and find some sort of inspiration in, in some of the great songs. You know, what 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 instrument did you did you play growing up? Uh guitar, and then okay. of course, of course, like. You know, my mom was a piano teacher, so I took piano as a kid, but okay. that wasn't going to get me <clears throat> to where I thought I needed to be. I needed to be, like, rocking out and, you okay. know, like, 
like, I don't know if you've seen old photos of me, but like, I had like both crazy long hair and, <laughs> and, uh, oh, and then I, I became a sunshine boy for the Ottawa sun, but I had to cut my hair for it apparently. So, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, man. So that's like my whole youth was just all rock and roll all the time. And some would argue that it's still all rock and roll all the time. Did you, did you have the Axl Rose or the, or the slash long hair with the curls? I don't know the Axl Rose that <laughs> <laughs> uh, hair and and probably a bandana on at various points and uh, okay yeah <laughs> so is it is it safe to say that Guns and Roses is one of your favorite bands is that am I hearing that yeah for sure like like nineteen nineties Guns and Roses I went to see it in two thousand seventeen when it was here in Ottawa and you know it was good and it was nostalgic but it just yeah. It wasn't missed the same. the same like roar that it had back in the day, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, while we're on that topic, I mean, I'm going to touch on it. May as well touch on it now. What, what are you? Who are your favorite artists? Oh man, I, I, I truly like everything. And, and you know, the interesting thing is teaching that old Gonquin for the last 13 years, teaching the business and music and music marketing. The students will be like, "Hey, have you heard of this?" And either I have or I haven't, but I'll still go and check it out. So. You know, for someone of my vintage, I may be more aware of some of the more current acts. Um, now, I do like, you know, current acts in a certain genre or vein, but, you know, like I always loved Elton John. I love Queen, um, you know, and, you know, on my playlist or whatever, you know, like when I go out for these walks, I talk about, I, I've got, you know, the Foo Fighters, I've got Green Day, you know, that type of thing. So Okay. Okay. Oh, that's very interesting. Very interesting. So some of your, your early influences were obviously in music with your, you know, with your, as you mentioned, your mom teaching you piano. Where, where does Michael Wood end up at, at 15? You're, you're at, at the concert, you're in love with Guns N' Roses, then where do you go from there? So, you know, well, the other flip side, a lot of people I, I, I don't think really know is that, you know, we still have the same family cottage that my grandfather built 70 years ago. So like when I was 15, I was barefoot water skiing and, and like just crazy. And, and so like that was another thought too. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just become like going to SeaWorld and be part of the water ski show. <laughs> you know? And like I had like the whole world was a possibility. Yeah. And so long story short, um, I'm going to go back even earlier than when I was 15. In the, in the eighth grade, I uh, – this – other student had moved from Lebanon and he was having a hard time fitting in and, and he ended up sitting next to me in the library. And, you know, I said, my name's Mike. He said, my name's Rami. And, you know, two parts of this one, he just turned 45 January 2nd and we're still best friends. And wow. yeah, it's crazy. He, he works for the United Nations as an internal investigator. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here, but here we are. <laughs> and I won't say his last name just in case. And so, but the thing is, is that when, when I was 22, uh, after high school, his whole family moved back to Lebanon. Rami called me <clears throat> two years later and he said, uh, I'm at the Ottawa airport. I've got nowhere to go and I want to move back to Canada. So he ended up living, we ended up living together and his dad came for a visit and his dad, it was like a scene out of the Godfather. His dad's like, Remy told me that you play in band. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. And it's like that cigar burning, you know, and all you can see is the cherry. And uh, he goes, 
I said, yeah. I said, I do play in a band. And his dad said, my cousin is Casey Kasem. Here's his home phone number. So uh, his Oh, dad come gave, on. Yeah, from America's Top 40. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty wild. So I ended up calling uh, Casey in Los Angeles. And uh, back in the day, it was uh, like an answering machine. And all I'd say, it had like this... It probably would have cost like a billion dollars back then, but there was a computerized voice saying, please leave your number. Which okay. Crazy tech back, you know, in yeah. 19, whatever. So uh, Casey said, when are you coming to Los Angeles? He called me back and he said, when are you coming to LA? And I said, I'll, I'll be there in three weeks. I had no plan to go to Los Angeles, but at this point I was going. Yeah. And uh, as I sit in my home office here, um, I'm surrounded by all kinds of like sign memorabilia and stuff from different people I work with. There's a photo on my wall of Casey Kasem and I together in his house. Wow. And the day prior to that, um, I en- ended up at the rainbow on the sunset strip and I ended up meeting slash. And that was a story. That's a story for another day too. But, <laughs> wow. um, yeah, so I, I met Casey and Casey ended up forwarding on, uh, some demos to some people and a, a couple things came of it, but nothing overly, you know, exciting. So then I came back to Ottawa and I, I made more recordings with Peter Gilroy, who owned the three top studios in the city. Okay. Incidentally enough, he's my business partner at Ottawa Special Events after all these years. Okay. And I went back to Los Angeles and Casey had passed on a record to the former president of AM Records, who had signed Janet Jackson, the police, Brian Adams. And he had a record label, which was a sub of Warner. Okay. And then so I signed a record deal. Like Casey got me this record deal. And I made a record and it was distributed all throughout the United States through Warner Brothers. And it was cool. Like my my parents uh, bought it in Florida. My buddy had gone to Vegas and he bought her a record in Vegas and you know, whatever music store uh, had it and so on. So, you know, and it was cool. And we toured after that. You know, I played here in Ottawa. I played at the time, it was the Corral Center, but the Canadian Tire Center. And I played with uh, Kansas and Vince Neal from Motley Crue and Mon Cherry and Everclear and all these cool bands. I played with Jeff Healy, you know, the late Jeff Healy. Yeah, yeah. um, The Headstones, like all these, all these cool bands. There's one... In 2001, we were playing for Canadian Music Week in Toronto. And uh, anyways, we were going on last. And, and uh, the band that was going on before us, the lead singer for that band sat down at the bar. And they were still trying to get ahead. And I sat down. And I said, hey, I'm Mike Wood. And the guy said to me, he said, hey, I'm Sam Roberts. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's cool. And That's crazy. I remember playing Zaphods. Some of your listeners will. Might yeah, yeah. Zaphods. And Eugene Haslam calling yeah. me saying, hey, there's this band from Norwood that needs an opening slot. You guys are playing on this day. Can they open for you? And I said, sure. What's the name? And he's like, it's like three something, three days, maybe three days grace. And uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, I have this band, this you know, indie band from Norwood open up for us. And then three days grace took the stage. And I was like, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are killer. So you know, we've, I've had some cool experiences, man, from, from music. That is awesome. That is, that is awesome. Now, when you, when you're a young musician, what, what are some of the struggles that, that you face? Uh, cash. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I think like I think we all face that throughout our lives. So you might well struggle with cash touring in a rock band and just sitting at home, right? Yeah. So um, and then you know you've got also other pressures around you of you know lots and lots of drugs and lots of alcohol and lots of um, <clears throat> sex and uh, so you know. <laughs> Yeah, I try and keep it as family friendly as possible. So yeah, so like there's those pressures, and then you know like it, it's like anything that you're doing. So when we went to radio with our, our single, you know, some stations were playing it, some stations weren't in the U.S. So then trying to figure out why they're not playing it, trying to get them to play it. Okay, it's very much like trying to sell any product as a business person, right? As unartistic as it sounds. Playing in a band or being in the music business, you're you're still in a business, and that's that's like part of the hard thing, I suppose. You know. Yeah, yeah. So so you make the the switch. Uh, was it was it from the band that you then went to to Algonquin to teach? Yeah, so that, that's kind of a crazy story too. So uh, my mom was sick, and. Um, I got it like my dad would keep me updated on the road okay. as to what was happening. And so I was in Memphis and like it was a, the second night of two shows of 15,000 people. And so like, you know, it was good. And at that point we had our own hotel rooms and stuff. And I literally went back to, that was in 2007. Okay. So I went back to my hotel room. I closed my door. I kind of crawled into bed and said, okay, when this is, when this tour is over, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't be on the road anymore, you know? Yeah. And I got to get home to my family. That's what's important. And the next morning, this is a true story, Paul. I, I woke up, I opened my email for some of your younger listeners. Yes, we had email. In 2000. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, uh, there was an email from Algonquin saying, hey, your name keeps circulating. Uh, would you be interested in teaching in this new music industry program? And literally, I went to bed thinking to myself, what am I going to do when I move back to Ottawa? And, you know, that was, you know, we're 2021 now. It was 07. They hired me. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, because I teach on Zoom now, right? Because the college for all okay. purposes is closed. Yeah. And when I first... When I had, I didn't even know it was an interview. So I probably walked in in like leather pants and a Guns N' Roses t-shirt. And, and I like women were clutching their purses as I walked in the room. I'm like, just going, oh my God. <laughs> and they, they asked me, they said, the, the, the person that hired me said, um, what, what are you going to do that is different than anybody else that we spoke to? And I said, I am going to Skype in all of my rock star friends. And I'm going to let the kids have like learn from the people who have been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah. And it's funny because they know seven talking about yes, kids, we had email. The college asked me what Skype. Wow. And, and, wow. You know, it's like that was 13, 14 years ago. And I said, look, it's just like awesome video conferencing thing. Like how much does it cost? I'm like, it's free. And uh, they said, okay, great. And then they called me like, 20 minutes later, they said, okay, you've got the job and let's see the Skype thing. And, and my very first Skype uh, with my students, my first year was with a woman named Liz Sheridan. Okay. And Liz 
played Jerry Seinfeld's mom on Seinfeld. Oh, wow. She had a musical uh, in L.A. called Mrs. Seinfeld Sings, but not the usual stuff. And uh, so there she was. Like, I've known Liz a long time. And, you know, she was James Dean's girlfriend when he died. And she's telling this story. And all these kids are sitting there. Like, Skype is new. But then you've got somebody on there saying these things. And since then, I've had Desmond Child, who wrote, who's basically Bon Jovi's co-songwriter. Okay. Living on a Prayer, Shot Through the Heart, all all of his stuff. Um, I've had Brett Wilson, who was on Dragon's Den, who was involved in music. Oh, wow. Um, you, like, you name it. I've had, I probably had, I don't know, a hundred different guests. Last year, I had Dan Cantor, who um, was Justin Bieber's guitar player for eight years. Wow. Uh, and it, it's just been cool, man. It's like the yeah. college has been an awesome experience. Oh, that is excellent. That is, that is excellent. Thank you. So, so you're, you're teaching at Algonquin. And yeah. and when is the seed planted for Ottawa special events? So it was 07 that I got hired at Algonquin and I started a music management company to represent a couple artists in Ottawa uh, in 07 when I returned and I partnered with Universal Music Canada. And at the same time too, I think, you know, this, uh, just as the tail end of the tour, I was writing a book. And then the book came out, and as I told you, I, I wasn't going to tour anymore, but on weekends I was touring, or I was like, so I'm only a part-time profit Algonquin, so I don't teach every day. So there was, I ended up going on this U.S. book tour, which I vowed I would never do again. I wasn't going to tour. Uh, <laughs> and so my first stop on that tour was in Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, Paul, if you ever get a chance to go to Milwaukee, pass. Yeah. Like, there's nothing going on in Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, so, okay. <laughs> So I did you go to Lambeau Lam- Field at least, or what? I, I did not. I was like <laughs> on such a time crunch. Okay, and, and so I actually did the morning show um, for Fox News because at the time American Idol was on Fox, and I had this book on breaking into the music business. So yeah. I positioned myself to appear on Fox. Okay, and uh, so I did that. And when I before I went on, the woman said, "So you vote on the Grammys? You go to the Grammys?" I said, I do. She goes, would you be our American Idol insider? And I'm like, sure. What's that involved? They're like, we're going to call you and you're just going to tell us who you think should be voted on. I'm like, okay, no problem. So the next morning I was in Chicago on the book tour. And anyways, the guest Leah's own person was came in to see me. And I said, you know, just so you know, like, I don't know if you know this or not, but like, I'm the American Idol insider for Fox Milwaukee. <laughs> Would you like me to be your American Idol insider? I'm like, yeah. So then I ended up becoming the American Idol insider for like 20 Fox stations in the U.S. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I don't know what I would say. Like, all I had to do was like sit in my boxers and watch American Idol. And the next morning at five, the Fox stations would start calling me, you know. And um, so like that went on for a little bit. The book was happening. Um, We had the music company. And then yeah. in the summer of 09, Peter, uh, and Peter was involved with the music management company too. Uh, he was doing live sound down at um, Italian Week. Okay. And he said, man, why don't you come down and check this out? He said, you know, there's all this stuff going on. Come take a look. I'm like, sure. So I went down. 
and we were just chatting and he said, you know, if we wanted to get into this, like we get into stage rentals, tents, lights, sound, all this. So like, honestly, Paul, I went home, I bought ottawaspecialevents.com. Okay. And, um, you know, this will kill any cred with the ladies, I'm sure, but I'm a Google nerd and I okay. can make, I can make anything rank number one in Google. Okay. And so auto special events, literally we had a temp website up that didn't even look like anything. Um, but the phone number would come up number one in Google when you searched it. Okay. So, so in that, ha that would have happened. Like I, so I went home, I bought it. I probably put up the temp website in January of 2010. Okay. And things started taking off. And in March of 2010, we incorporated the business. We own nothing. We cross-rented from all these other companies. Oh, I, saw, right. I was going to say that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I lived in an apartment building. So I would have companies come, deliver to my apartment building, down the move-in ramp. I would put all this stuff in my storage locker. Okay. And, and then I would then throw it in my truck and I'd go deliver it on delivery day. Wow. And then, you know, from there, we ended up getting a bin at Diamond. And so we had a 10 by 10 at Diamond or 1020, whatever it is. And then we had two, three, four, five, six bins at Diamond. And we finally decided, okay, well, let's take this to the next level. And we now have a large, you know, 13,000 square foot warehouse at Bank and Heron. And we had a second warehouse, um, but we ended up uh, just with the pandemic consolidating everything into the building. I see. I see. And, and who are some of your, your notable clients? Oh man, over the years. Many. Well, you know, yeah. so picture this. Okay. So we, we own very little gear. We may have one diamond bin, maybe two. And November, 2011, the email comes in and it says, Hey, we noticed that you guys seem to be one of the bigger production companies in Ottawa. Uh, are you interested in providing all the production for the Juno Awards in Ottawa? Wow. And I was like, oh, baby. So we ended, we ended up providing, like, we did all the red carpet. We did all this stuff for the Junos. Excellent. And then, like, three days later, there was another email that came in from this company called Create. Like, hey, we need all of this stuff in Ottawa for the NHL All-Star Game. I was here in 12 as well. Yeah. So like we were like a year and a half into business and we did the all-star game. We did the Junos. Excellent. Um, Cirque du Soleil would be a big client. Okay. Locally, uh, Bank Street BIA. So we do all the production for Glow Fair. We do all the production for Capital Pride. Uh, we did the launch of the LRT. I always tell people we didn't build the LRT. <laughs> yeah, we did quick the launch of the LRT. Yeah, quick disclaimer, folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't live in Ottawa, just Google it. You'll see what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, so like, you know, we've been very fortunate to have all these clients. Starbucks took us on very early um, for a big conference they were doing in Ottawa with, okay. um, with their team. And, and then we have one company in Ottawa called the Willow Group. There's a woman there named Robin Baldwin, who I've been, uh, we've worked with since the beginning. And um, anyways, she supported us and, and she's like one of the real big uh, reasons why we got to where we are. Oh, that is excellent. That is, that is excellent. Okay, Michael, maybe we can, we can change gears here just a little bit. 
uh, and transition over to your advocacy for small business owners. Where, where did that start for you? And I, and, and I don't want to say when it did, but I, I think it, was this year a bit of, with, with the pandemic, a bit of an impetus for that? or And how did that come about? Yeah, sure. So what ended up happening was, you know, our slow season with Ottawa Special Events is January, is, is December to March, end of March, mid-March. And we had a couple larger shows lined up to, uh, to execute. And one of them was in a city building. And I just, I had this feeling, this was mid-March that, and because apparently like it had just been announced and so on, that, um, that the city was going to shut down. So I, I reached out to Keith Eglotte, the city councilor, who I know fairly well. And I said, Keith, I said, you know what? I think the city's going to shut down, if not the country. So what do I like? What, what do I do? Like, I don't know how my business is going to survive this. And he said, "You've got to start calling your MPs and your MPPs." So I literally thought, Paul, I'm like, "Oh my god, that would make me my father," because my dad's always like, "I sent another letter to the prime minister today." I'm like, "Oh, my god. <laughs> you know, like that type of thing," and and so. I ended up calling Catherine McKenna's office because uh, I kind of, at the time I viewed her as number four in Canada. Right. So you had Trudeau Morneau at the time, Freeland and Catherine McKenna. And um, I sent an email and, and I was walking into the college. I was going there to do some marking one night and they called me back and they said, okay, look, you know, uh, we think this is going to be a problem too. Um, and the minister's happy to meet with you. And so I was like, oh, wow. So that's kind of cool. So I met with the minute, like with Catherine McKenna, um, very early on, like end of March, over okay. Zoom. Over Zoom. Yeah. And the, wa- the wage subsidy was at 10% at that point. And I told her, I said, look, the wage subsidy in Europe is at 75%. Like 10% with Canada is not going to work. And, and I said, you know, I can't pay 90% of someone's salary let alone, even if it was at a 90% wage subsidy, I couldn't pay 10%. My payroll was, you know, close to 10 grand a month, you know? Okay. Uh, no, sorry, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Whoa, what am I talking about? Close to 100 grand a month. Okay. So, so I said, I couldn't pay, I can't pay 10 grand to people, even if it was at 90%, if there's no business coming in. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So um, after that, I, I had a thought, I'm like, okay, well, that worked well with, Minister McKenna. So then, you know, I just naturally started reaching out to people. I started calling, uh, I called Mona Forche. She agreed to meet with me. Marie-France alone agreed to meet with me. Pierre Polyev ended up calling me and on my cell, we spoke for 20 minutes. That was all like April-ish. And then I reached out to Bill Morneau's office and I I asked to meet and they were like, look, uh, his parliamentary secretary, uh, Sean Fraser, who's an elected official, will will meet with you. And I was like, holy moly, this is kind of cool. And then I, I kind of redirected my canon at the province. And um, the Minister of Small Business, Pravnit Sakaria, uh, who I now have like this absolutely fabulous relationship with his office. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of them on a text type thing. I can just, a texting basis, I can send them a text and say, hey, I need to know what's going on with this. And they get yeah. back to me pretty quickly. So um, 
you know, that happened. And then, and so I met with Sean Fraser, I met with Pravni and Pierre Polyev's office said, look, are you willing to testify before the House of Commons Finance Committee? And I was like, oh my God, like this was nothing I'd ever <laughs> thought of. It was, I didn't even know it was a real thing. And, you know, it was kind of funny because I saw that the CEO or president of the CFL was testifying before the House of Commons. Okay. And I literally thought to myself, like, well, how's that possible that this guy gets to testify before the House of Commons? And then I think two days later, Pierre Polyev's office reached out and said, would you like to appear before FINA? I'm like, well, that's how that happens. <laughs> so anyways, um, my mom's gone now, but uh, on June 2nd, which would have been her birthday, I, I testified before FINA. Wow. And uh, there was, like, Paul, it was me, the president of the Egg Farmers Association of Canada, the okay. chancellor of Western University, and, like, Mike Wood. And I'm like, what's going on here, you know? And, uh, and little Mike Wood. Little Mike Wood, yeah, little Mikey Wood. So, anyways, it was, like, one of those things that, like, I, I didn't, I didn't have anybody to coach me on it. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and I think I did. I think I held my own. And so it was an hour that I was before the House of Commons. The part that, you know, the disappointing part, for lack of a better term, is it was over Zoom, right? Okay. And I would have thought it would have been cool to go to the House of Commons but, uh, <laughs> yeah. and sit there and, and say, all right, this is what I think. Yeah. So um, That is awesome. That, yeah, it was cool, man. And so from that, I like the chair of the federal finance committee is a guy named Wayne Easter. Yeah. So I sent an email to his office saying, Hey, would you do a round table with Ottawa small business owners? And uh, Wayne agreed. And I also got James Cumming, who is the Mary Ng, like the critic of small business portfolio. Uh, so I did those like back to back, like I did one on the Tuesday, one on the Wednesday. And I, I guess I should have mentioned like starting with Pravneet Sakaria or Sean Fraser, I can't remember. I opened it up to all small business owners in Ottawa that wanted to sit in on these roundtables to pose the questions. It wasn't just about me. This was about if I was going to try and save my business and I, for some reason, had the government listening to me, yeah. I felt it would be irresponsible if I didn't open up this to everybody. Yeah. And so in, in April, I started putting out the all on social media. If you want to be part of this, you can join. I'll send you a zoom link, but I need you to be polite, professional, respectful, and have a point. Yeah. Like I'm not here to have a rambler. Right. Right. Kind of, I've been doing all podcasts, but neither here nor there. So, you know, the, the thing is, is that I had people from all different industries that were on these calls. I think for Wayne Easter, I had a hundred people on the Zoom call. Okay. And uh, and then it was cool. James Cumming was excellent. He said that we had 45 minutes, but then he changed his mind and he said, okay, you went an hour and a half with us all. And then it just continued to go from there. I reached out to the PMO to find out if Katie Telford would meet with me. Okay. And they said that she couldn't, but uh, Justin Trudeau's regional advisor to Ontario would call me. Um, and so him and I spoke for 40 minutes. And I actually had coffee with him a month ago, live in person, down at a, a, outside on a patio 
socially yeah. distanced in the market. Okay. Uh, him and I met in person and I was out one night for a walk. This is when Bill Morneau was still involved. Um, I was out for a walk at nine o'clock on a Sunday night. I get a text from uh, Bill Morneau's advisor saying his chief of staff asked me to text you and can you talk tomorrow morning? I'm like, absolutely. I'm not going to say no to the finance ministry asking yeah. me. And uh, so like, it's just like, it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I know that I have a lot of people right now that, that support me and I've been nonpartisan. So uh, Pramit Sakaria's office in, in August said, look, we want you to testify before what they call SCOFIA, which is the standing committee on economic finance and economic affairs. Okay. So I did that, but I said to them, I said, look, I said, I know so many business owners that I think need to have their voice heard. Can I share this with all the small business owners that I know? They said, yes. So I had 19 small business owners from Ottawa join that, uh, join that discussion. So oh, there's three of us a day for two weeks. Now we weren't like three from Ottawa for, you know, seven days in a row or six days in a row. You know, we were spread out, but there was 19 of us from Ottawa that over two weeks testified before Sophia. Okay. And uh, it was cool. Like uh, that's where I met Joel Harden from the NDP. Okay. And, um, and Catherine, I can't remember if Catherine Fife was on there, but Mitzi Hunter from the liberals definitely was. And, um, so then like things progressed and I, I had further meetings. Uh, I've met with the premier's office. Um, I met with his executive director of stakeholder relations. Uh, the premier's office called me uh, a week ago tonight. Okay. And saying that the premier potentially uh, was going to meet with me, but then obviously all this happened. Yeah. Um, and so it's been this cool experience. Like I'm nonpartisan. Uh, I think they all know that to be the truth because I have liberals call me, I have PC call me, I have NDP call me, yeah. and you know the message is slightly different depending on which party's calling. Yeah, um, I met with the uh, with the leader of the Ontario Green Party. Okay, uh, Mark uh, Mike Schreiner. So him and I met, and obviously all over Zoom. Yeah. And then in November, I returned to Scofia as per Pramit Sakaria's request. And uh, I testified again before Scofia. And I was on with uh, Rocco Rossi, who's the president of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. And uh, Rocco and I really laid out a very similar tale of the problems small businesses are facing. What, what have you heard most from, from all of those different testimonies that you've heard from, from business owners? Uh, that there's not enough funding that we need more funding to survive that the funding doesn't come fast enough. Like the announcement comes right Paul. And then everybody's left staying there for two or three months going, okay, but when can we apply for the rent subsidy? Oh, I see. Um, and then, you know, but there's been some good things and, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been responsible for some cool things. There's some video which I can send you of Pramit Sakaria standing up in Queens Park saying it was through meetings with people like Mike Wood that they got involved in the first rent program. Wow. Um, if you check the Hansard record 
from the Ontario government, you'll see that I was mentioned by name seven times between October and December. That's in, excellent. Good in, for you. In, in Queens Park. So, you know, these are the things. One, I actually posted on Twitter today, you know, the premier said that there was going to be blitzes on box stores to make sure that the, there wasn't more than 25%. The problem being, though, is that people are going there out of boredom and they're just wandering around because non-essential items are not roped off. And uh, a lot of people that work for the big box stores will send me messages saying it was half boredom shoppers today. People just roaming around for something to do. Okay. Um, you know, I, I've hearing of insurance. So liability insurance in the hospitality world is either skyrocketed 120%. Okay. Businesses can't get liability insurance or if they can get it, it's the same amount of money at a much reduced policy or protection right okay i so have another dropped sorry what's that yeah so so the coverage has decreased yeah exactly uh i have another friend that owns a business and he has another business that owns the building that it's in and he can't get the rent subsidy you know so you know yeah. but the, the, the big thing is you know yesterday living in ottawa you know it came out that bylaw handed out 500 warnings and, and I, I strongly feel that Ottawa small businesses, and I, I've said this in a couple of op-eds in The Citizen, small businesses in this city had the most amount to lose. They took the most amount of precautions. And this is not where we're seeing the spread from, right? We're seeing okay. the spread from people that have just decided that rules don't apply. And I can understand why the premier is frustrated. And, but I think that if we're going to lock it down, Lock it down for two weeks, eliminate these problems that we're having, and then move forward from there. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, anything else you wanted to add uh, about some of those, those discussions or things that have, that have come out of those, those discussions, Mike? Well, you know, it, it was funny because... Um, for the lockdown that came on the 21st, I definitely got a message from a ministry saying with the lockdown coming. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it was like, I got a text. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because Ottawa was doing so good, Paul. Like our numbers yeah. were low. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you, like, I, I have some people that I know think that I don't push hard enough. Um, and they, they definitely vocalize that with me on social media. Um, saying, you know, you kind of lay down and just take it, which is not, not the case. There's, yeah. there's a lot of meetings that people aren't aware of that I'm one-on-one -on -one with somebody and it's not a lay down situation, but I think people, I think there's a lesson in all this that I kind of have to reevaluate every day with myself too, is that I had no experience in this. I someday still think I have no experience in this. And, but I've been able to climb to a certain level by being polite and being positive and professional. Yeah, as and well I said. Think, and I, I think, I think that's like played the biggest role. Like I, I'm not, I've never come in with the liberals or the conservatives province or Fred right? And said, you're doing this all wrong. It's always yeah. been like, here's our, here's our problem. Now here's the solution. And, yeah. or here's, here's my proposed solution. Yeah. And I think that's why I, I've been fortunate enough to have the ear of government. And 
I think you saw on Facebook, I'm, I'm actually meeting with the leader of the official opposition, Aaron O'Toole, uh, okay. on the 19th. Oh, and, excellent. Good for you. Yeah, man. So, like, you know, I, I look at it, and I know a lot of people are like, wow, man, you go to the Grammy Awards? I'm like, yeah, but I'm meeting with the leader of the official opposition. Because you know? so, it's not the world I ever lived in, you know? Yeah, like, it, yeah it's, it's different it's, for you. Yeah, and it's, it's exciting, and we all sometimes need a change in our life, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so just transitioning, uh, just just slightly here, uh, here, Mike. What if someone's starting a business today, with the knowledge that you have, and you know, obviously, during the pandemic and everything that that you've heard and, and know, what advice would you give to someone that's starting a business today? That's a that's a great question. So, you know, one, don't grow faster right now then you can handle like remain plateaued for as long as possible because okay. what ends up happening is like while you're growing businesses that grow ultra fast get themselves into more predicaments with debt and so on and so forth because they're like oh my god i've got all these customers we need loans from the bank and we need this and that you know just stay stable and and grow in a very pragmatic fashion right there's no okay. need you're not going to become amazon tomorrow yeah. and so especially during the pandemic calculate everything that you're doing be smart about everything that you're doing and you know at the same time too with running a business you know a lot of people think oh it must be great uh running a business i will tell you this i made some big mistakes running my business um you know i was working 18 hours a day seven days a week it cost me a marriage and okay. I'm aware, I'm aware of that. I'm aware that, you know, it cost me friends. It cost me just living life. We're not here to work. We're here yeah. to make a living and to do the best that we can with what we do. But, you know, don't, don't sacrifice everything for your business. That's like the only advice I think I can probably give right now is just make sure that you take care of yourself during, especially during these trying times. Okay. Okay. And, and, and what would you say to follow up on that are the three things that had the biggest impact on, on your success? I think you kind of touched on some of those things, which are great, great qualities in, in your success in dealing with the government. Uh, yeah, yeah, It's funny because somebody posted on Twitter the other day. So I'm like, I'm pretty active on social media. And tonight I, I posted a thing just saying, look, if you feel isolated, uh, make sure that you know that the tw there is a 24-hour suicide hotline. There's the Ottawa Distress Center. I'm just looking for this one thing that this guy posted while we're talking here. So I think it summed me up pretty good. And when I read it, I'm like, yeah, he's, he's not wrong. And, and so I think it was probably about meeting with Aaron O'Toole. Yeah. And they, he said, I think that you know, your secret weapon is passionate. I'm kind. I try to be kind. Some people may argue that I'm not, but, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think people would, you know, take say that I'm not passionate. I'm yeah. authentic. I'm determined. And, you know, regardless, even if I think that somebody's making a huge mistake, I'm not someone, I don't call you out for your quote unquote huge mistake. I'm like, look, I understand your position, but, this is, this is, I think, the better solution. 
whether they agree with me or not, that's their thing. But, you know, I, I really think that kindness in this world goes a long way. Yeah, very you'll well find, said. You'll find hashtags all over social media of stuff previously posted where, um, you know, kindness matters. And it's true. And I just found this thing. So he said, this one fellow on Twitter said, passionate, positive, practical seems to be your not so secret weapon. So, yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very okay. Yeah. Kindness. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 100%, 100%. You know, yeah. we live, we live once and you know, it, it's not a happy life if you're mad at 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, what, and this is obviously, uh, this is obviously non COVID related sort of pre pandemic or post pandemic. Uh, however you like, what does a typical day look like for, for you, Mike? From the time you get up, time you go to bed. Because I think a lot of people that are out there that are listening to this that are either in business or thinking of getting into business. You know, I work in social media all all day. And the one drawback is oftentimes people just see the nice side of, of business and the entrepreneur life. And it's and it's not that glorious. But um, but tell us, for in your words, what, what does your day look like? Uh, well, just real quick, because that's an interesting thing that you said. Nobody posts their failures to social media. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, like, don't you can't compare yourself to anybody else and you've seen this glorious whatever that you're seeing. Nobody's posting their failures. So, um, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, my days were, were pretty packed and I'd be at the shop. I'd arrive somewhere between 9 and 10 every day. Yeah. I would uh, work until five or six. I'd come home, I'd have dinner. And then I yeah. always went back to work. Like I always came home and had dinner, but I'd yeah. go back to work. So you know, I don't have any kids. So it, it's a little bit of a different situation, but you know, I'd go back and if the show is big enough, there's some nights. I remember we were doing the national decathlon and, or do, do with, wow, oh, not the decathlon. Uh, say the major sporting event. And I, I was at work for like 36 hours and I only came home once to, to have dinner. And, and, you know, that's, that was a crazy time. Now looking at the pandemic yeah. and what that taught me, um, that summer cottage that I told you my family still has 70 years later, uh, I was there more this summer than yeah. I have been in the last 10 years. I spent two or three weekends there where I actually slept. It's only in Smith Falls. So okay. like, oh, I, would drive, I would, yeah, yeah. So I'd always drive back, but this, this summer I, I said, no, I'm going to stay two or three nights. So I did that. And now, you know, I come home, right. I don't come home now. I'm at home, but you know, I leave my home office and I go into the living room and I put on the Raptors game or, you know, hopefully the Senator sooner than later. And, yeah. you know, I just try and not be sitting in front of a computer 24 yeah. seven. Yeah. Yeah. You need that. You need that break. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And well, you know, I last, last week, I actually deactivated, deactivated my Facebook for, for a full week. And okay. I removed, I removed the icon from my phone and I got a lot of messages with everybody saying, you okay. I'm like, I'm totally fine. I'm just, <laughs> taking a break from all of this craziness around me. Yeah. And you know, I'm still pushing the government, but not everybody needs to know that all the yeah. time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Any, any mentors, any mentors, Mike, along the way that, that you looked up to or would recommend to others? Axel. 
<laughs> I love it. Axel Rose, like with it. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had a lot of mentors throughout my life, actually. Um, you know, like my dad. My my dad still can't help himself. I'm 44. I still get a daily, you know, advice update from him. Um, and he's like, and it, it's kind of funny because, you know, the other night he called me. He's like, I saw what you put on Facebook, and I, I don't think that you should be putting that out. I'm like, okay, dad, wonderful. Um, but I did take it down. Uh, Peter Peter is 10 years older than I am. Okay. And he, he was my mentor when I was in the music side of things. So he produced all of my records. And, you know, I went to him. It's kind of funny because someone said to me the other day, like, your music business stuff was really prepping you for this. Because I used to call the president of Warner, the president of Universal. I was 22 years old. I'm like, you need to sign this band and we need to do this and that. And, you know, so Pete always mentored me, my dad. Um, and really, like, I, I'm one of those people, for the most part, that I think everybody can bring something to the table. And I, okay. take, I take this from this person. I take this from this person. You know, I, I consult with a lot of people on decisions that I'm going to make. A lot of people would say that I'm not a decision maker. I am, but I just want to consult with others to make sure that, you know, what I'm going to put forward is, is best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then I can make the decision, but so I have a lot of like quasi mentors, I suppose in my life that I look okay. up to the typical people that I go back to all the time. Um, there's uh, my old assistant at work. Uh, I've always told her she's the smartest human I've ever met in my entire life. Um, and so for all of this, you know, I, I go to her and I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? Should I do this? And, you know, nine times out of ten, she's like, you're crazy. Do it this way. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I'm telling you, like, I'll, I'll, I'll go on record by saying that the seven countries that had, like, the most effective response to COVID – yeah. Are, run, are run by women. So okay. when, once women run the whole place, <laughs> outside of Ivanka, we the, the world will be a much better place. You know? <laughs> now, now, just I just want to transition for one second because I, I totally forgot to ask this. How, how does one become a voter uh, for the Grammy Awards or, or Juno Awards? How, how does that happen? Sure. So that, that's an excellent question. I, I get, I used to get that a lot when I was more involved in music. So um, the first year I went to the Grammys, I was at a restaurant in Ottawa uh, called the Cock and Bull, which doesn't exist anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Cock and Bull. Holy jeez. Yeah. So it's funny because the two brothers that owned the Cock and Bull that then turned it into 1951 West. And then they, they sold the, they owned the building. So they sold the property. They have a sandwich place out uh, called the Sandwich Stop off Saint Laurent. Uh, Twenty-five years later, we're all still best friends as well, too. Wow! Um, and so I've got a lot of like old friends, you know, that I that I'm still very close with. And so I was at the Cock and Bull, and I got a call from someone in the music business that I'd worked with, and he said, "Hey, you want to go to the Grammys in February?" And I was like, "Are you serious?" And he said, yeah, 100%. And so anyways, uh, he was an American guy. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that'd be great, man. I can meet you in LA. And, and so I went to the Grammys. 
And I said to him in Los Angeles, like, you're asking me, I'm like, how'd this happen for you? And he's like, oh, it's like, it's complicated and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. So then, as you can tell, I'm pretty tenacious. <laughs> I, I ended up calling the Academy. I'm like, so tell me more about how you get invited to the Grammys. And like, well, we have three memberships. There's voting, yeah. associate, or student. And I said, okay, so how do you get to become a voting member? And they said, well, you've had to, at the time, it's changed now, but at the time, you've had to have released six songs through a major record company. Okay. And I was like, okay, it's not complicated. I released a whole album through Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, and I said, do I qualify? They're like, yes, sir. That's what we just said. I'm like, okay, great. So it's a hundred bucks a year. U.S. for me to be a member because I actually released something through a major record label. So I'm deemed a professional musician, right? And because it, it's it's a peer voting system. And so anyways, having said that, uh, from that moment forward, I continued being a voting member of the Grammys. I've been five or six times. And I'll, I'll tell you this for your listeners, because there, there's, there's a couple cool things about the Grammy Awards. Uh, one, there's the pre-tells, and then two or the pre-televised awards, and then there's the Grammys themselves that everybody sees, and then there's the after party, which you can go to. And the last time I went, uh, the bronze – so if you picture Canadian Tire Center, yeah. so the floor is what they call platinum, the 100s would be gold, the silvers would be the 200s, okay. and the bronze would be 300, right? So it was a 1000 bucks to sit on the floor – 450 bucks for gold, 300 for silver, wow. and 150 for bronze. And like when you go and you pick up your tickets, you have to have like your passport or something. So you can't buy Grammy tickets. Juno tickets you can buy. Grammy tickets you cannot buy. You have to either be a member of the Academy to buy them okay, or be invited as a guest. So um, as a member, I could buy four bronze tickets and two any other color. And so I could buy up to six tickets or I could buy six bronze. Okay. And so every year there used to be 12 of us. Cause Peter was a, uh, I don't think he's a member anymore, but uh, there used to be 12 of us that would go to Los Angeles for the Grammys and spend a, a week in LA and kind of cap it off with the big night. Wow. But the pre-tells you, uh, there's no assigned seating. So you sit in the LA Convention Center. Now the show is at the Staples Center, but you sit sit in the LA Convention Center. Okay. And whoever sits around you is who sits around you. And so the one year, like I remember, like it was yesterday, I was sitting there, and Peter said to me, "He's like, oh, there's Quentin Tarantino, and he was sitting like two rows ahead of us." <laughs> and the first year I was there, this woman won an award, and she was just sitting down for me, and. They, so it's all pre-recorded type thing with the voice. It's like, and the Grammy goes to. And so they said the woman's name, and she was young, and she stood up. And I'm like, oh, my God, this girl's like six feet tall. And she had this really tight, blonde, curly hair type, you know. And, of course, at the time, I didn't know. But when the voice said, and the Grammy goes to Taylor Swift. I was oh, like, wow. Wow. I was like, oh, weird. I wonder who Taylor Swift is. And, you know, <laughs> you know, that, that type of thing. And then, uh, cause it would have been like for like best new artist or whatever the case was. 
and I probably knew who she was. That's just more for the, for the story. But I'll, I'll tell you, like, I was just telling someone the other night about it, and the name Tony Bennett had come up. I'm like, oh, he went down the escalator in front of me at the yep. L.A. Convention Center, and there was one uh, last story, but there was there was one moment when Pete and I were sitting there, and and uh, this guy walked in, and he looked like Neil Young. Okay. And, and he was he sat down directly behind me because again it's like no assigned seating, right? Or unassigned seating. Yeah. And so Pete looks at me and goes, what? Look at this guy looking like Neil Young. I'm like, oh my God, does he ever look like Neil Young? And this was probably, I don't know, like oh six, maybe, maybe maybe no, 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 no. It's even later than that. Uh oh six, what am I talking about? It's probably like maybe twenty fifteen, whatever. Okay. And, and uh Anyways, that voice came over the pre-recording. It's like, and best box set goes to Neil Young. And I'm like, oh, my God, it is Neil Young. You know, know, it's just like a cool thing. And then back in the day, if you got a student membership, if you were a student, you could go. And so I arranged that Algonquin College would be recognized by the academy as this music school that kids could get a membership in. Okay. there, There was one year that there was four students. They didn't tell me they were going, but when I walked in, they were kind of waiting at this one thing because they'd sent me a message saying, where are you or whatever, as the show started yet. I'm like, oh, I'm just walking in the main doors. There was four students standing there, and they're like, surprise, we came too. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. You know? Oh, that's neat. Oh, that's yeah. neat. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Now, your 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 album, would we be able to find it on Spotify today or Apple? or? No, so you know, I'm trying to figure that out because Warner took it down. Okay. So I, I don't know why Warner took it down, but uh, I ended up putting it up on YouTube, and then YouTube said I was in copyright violation. I'm like, no, no, no. Here's the story, and then YouTube kept it up. So like okay. the video that was on Much Music and MTV's up. So if you search Circuit and then Ode to Humanity, you'll be able to find it. Okay. Say that. Say that one more time. Sure. So the name of the band was Circuit. Yeah. And it's funny, lots of people thought it had something to do with electricity, but like back in the day, you used to play the club circuit, like the A circuit, the B circuit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so that's where the name came from, not from anything to do with electricity. Okay. And uh, the record was called O, as in like French water, like E-A-U. Okay. De Humanity. Okay. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Now, did you did you sing as well? I forgot to ask that. No, I just play guitar. You don't want to hear okay. Me. No vocals. No vocals. No, no nobody wants to hear me <laughs> singing. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you have a favorite uh, favorite movie or or series on Netflix? We're all kind of now stuck uh, stuck in the house again here. Anything you'd recommend to the audience? So you know that that's the thing. Like I, I as much as I lived in the entertainment world, I, I've never really been a huge TV or movie person. Okay. Uh, I think only because like I was always working and I, I feel like I missed out. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last sitcom ever put out by anybody was Seinfeld, right? Has there been any other sitcoms uh, in Seinfeld? Well, I mean, there's been, well, I think, uh, well, yeah, I think after that, yeah, friends was after that. Was it not? I don't know. The last one that I ever heard of personally being released was Seinfeld. So that's how how removed I am from family (laughs) television. But uh, I'm a sports guy. So I I like watching football. I like watching 
Okay. Uh, uh, basketball and, and hockey, of course. And okay. this year, hockey is going to be different, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have a favorite sport, a football team? And uh, is it NFL or? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I think I'd be admiss being on your show, uh, the <laughs> Ottawa Business Podcast, and not say the Red Blacks. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I think I think I'm asking for trouble if I don't say the Red Blacks. But uh, right now, man, I'm I, I'm a pretty big supporter of the Packers. Let's see what happens. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, this could be the year. They they look very good. Uh, uh, the, the Browns looked pretty good the other night too. Yeah, the Browns did look very good the other yeah. night. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be it's interesting in the AFC in the NFC this year because you've got you know you got Rodgers, you've got you've got Brady and Breeze. Um, you know, and these guys aren't going to be around uh, uh, much longer, so it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out for sure. It's a tough. Although they're paid well, it's a tough way to make a living. My man. <laughs> yeah, very true. What, what? Who? Who would you say? And you don't have to pick one if you want to. You know, you want to pick a couple. Go for it. A favorite musician? It's a Friday night, and you're you want to kick back and listen to something. Like, what are you listening to? Well, I can tell you. Uh, it's funny. I was just talking to someone the other day. So when I was in Los Angeles in 2001 for the second time, and Casey had you know, uh, made the arrangements for that guy who is a sub of Warner. They, he picked me up and he drove me all through Hollywood. And for whatever reason, you two stuck in a moment that song was playing. And, and it really like, it's still on my playlist and, and it's still something that I listen to often. I find like okay. the last little bit, like totally motivating, but you know, I, I like, I like all genres. So, you know, right now I, I'm just taking a look. I've got the Zach Brown band up. I've got Green Day. I've okay. Got Passenger. I, look, dude, you have to listen to the Marty Ray Project and listen to Ice Ice Baby. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like it's like this that. killer version of it, you know. And okay, I've got Eminem up. I've got Coldplay. Um, some older rock stuff like Andrew WK, The Stones, REM. Okay. Uh, Elton John. It's all, all along that vein, I guess. Yeah. Who's who's the best guitarist of all time? Is it Slash or? You know, that's an interesting question, man, because Slash was influenced by other people like Joe Perry and, and Jimmy Page and yeah. so on. Uh, I am I am a big Slash fan, but you know, I would almost say that Slash was only as good as he was because of Izzy Stradlin and Guns N' Roses. The two of them, it's like those two people that just need each other to shine. And, you know, if you listen to any of Izzy Stradlin stuff, I think he's got some cool, very cool stuff. Yeah. yeah, Slash, in terms of mainstream, I think he's definitely one of the best. Yeah. I I, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite social media platform or, or channel? I know you've, as you mentioned, you, you sort of checked off of Facebook for a bit. You have one you gravitate to more than the others. Okay, Paul, I got, I got a level with you. I got to tell you a funny <laughs> story. I, I just had to see what all the hype was about. I downloaded parlay for a minute. Oh, oh parlor. Oh, parlor. Oh, oh, what a crazy place that was, man. Okay. Uh, Oh, it's not around anymore, obviously, because of Amazon, you know, I need the hosting agreement, but oh my 
God, that was a crazy place. Uh, but I like LinkedIn. Um, I like Twitter for getting a message out quickly. Yeah. Uh, but for me, like professionally and trying to uh, grow, you know, Bill Morneau's chief of staff, I reached out to him through LinkedIn. Okay. And I don't, I don't do that all the time, but um, LinkedIn is what got me that relationship with him. Yeah. Um, and so I think LinkedIn's great. I, I like Twitter and, you know, I like, uh, I like, I, I, I do like them all. They all have different audiences. Yeah. Depending on the message that I'm getting out. So what I try and do when I'm doing, when I'm meeting with somebody is I try and put out on the table, what do you want me to say? Like, what, what's your concern right now? And I find Facebook's great for that. People have no problem voicing an opinion on Facebook. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Some days to my own, like, shake my head thinking, what the hell did I do that for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and what, what, would, what does an ideal day off look like for, for you? Um, in the summer, going to the cottage now. Like, in okay. Spain. Do you do any fishing? I, I do. Like, there's fishing right off the dock. Uh, okay. We got some pretty big northern pike that come by. Oh, awesome! Uh, right off the dock, and you know, a day in the boat in the summertime is is all fine by me. Yeah. Um, and then you know, in the winter time, uh, I actually this winter for us hasn't been that bad. Yeah. So you know, I don't mind going out, going to Conroy Pit or something like that, and just going for a stroll and kind of stepping away from technology for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. When people hear the name Michael Wood, what do you hope they will say? <laughs> There's a lot of people asking if I'm going to run for mayor right now. <laughs> I hope that it's not going to continue, but well, we'll uh, save that one for later. Yeah, yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of questions. So you know, the one thing that I hope they legitimately say is that he he's doing this for the right reasons. Um, that I am doing this not only to save my business, but to help others. I'm doing this because for whatever reason, I, I, I do believe everything happens for a reason. And I think that I've, I'm not a religious guy, but I think I've, I've been put in this position to voice other people's concerns. And I just hope they think that, you know, that I've been fair along the way and kind and responsive to whatever concerns that they have. Yeah, that's 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 very well said. That is that is excellent, uh, excellent, Mike. I, I hope they think that I'm genuine because yeah. I I am, and you know, some days I don't get back to people fast enough. You just you just happen to catch me at the right moment, man, because you might have been sitting in LinkedIn purgatory for three days, <laughs> but you just happen to catch I, me at the right time. You know, I was going to mention that that we actually connected on uh, on LinkedIn for this, which which is great. Uh, true true testament to you using uh, using the platform for sure. For sure, man. Uh, this this has been this has been absolutely uh, tremendous, Mike. I I I thoroughly enjoy this. I I, I hope the audience does as well. Um, and, and thank you for for taking some time with us. If if there's you know some updates that you know, that you know we need to get out to the audience, we can definitely uh, schedule that in the future. And so I I wish you all the best for 2021 in in your endeavors uh, in your business and. Uh, and thank you again for, for coming on the show here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It was a great time. Yeah, that was excellent. Thanks.
For those in the audience looking for additional information today about our guest, Michael Wood, you can find him on the web at www.ottawaspecialevents.com. You can also reach them by telephone at 613-482-1703. They can be reached by email at info at ottawaspecialevents.com. You can also find Ottawa Special Events on social media. They are on Twitter at O-T-T-S-P-E-C Events, that Ott Spec Events, on Facebook at Ottawa Special Events, and on LinkedIn, Ottawa Special Events. For our guest specifically, you can find Michael Wood on Twitter at Mike Wood Ottawa. You can find him on Facebook. Michael Wood, Ottawa. You can find him on Instagram, Mike Wood, Ottawa. And you can find him on LinkedIn, Michael Wood, Ottawa. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. We truly hope you found something of value in the show that you can use in your business or personal life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite player. Thank you.